Hey there! Welcome to the Rambling Gals Podcast. We are your hosts, Angela and Adriana, and here you'll find pretty much everything travel-related. We took a trip a few years ago and made a fair amount of mistakes that cost us money and messed up our plans. And since then, we've worked on perfecting travel itineraries and made it a goal to get as many people as we could out into the world exploring. So here you'll find our best travel tips and tricks, interviews with other travelers and business owners, a little bit of storytelling, and a lot of tomfoolery. Thanks for listening. We're here today with Lane from Paris Offscript, and she runs her own small group tours several times a year in Paris to show her, her guests the unique side of the city that not everybody has the chance to experience. So I'm so excited to chat with Lane today about one of my favorite, if not my favorite of all time, cities in the world. And I've kind of had an obsession with France for quite some time, and I've had the opportunity to visit Paris and some of the surrounding countryside on my two visits there, which is not enough, and I've got to get back over there. Um, so here's the thing about Paris is you think about it a long time after you've left, and I feel like it's either a place you can't stop thinking about or a place you don't really understand what all the fuss is about. So I'm again, I'm really excited to talk to Lane today, um, and we're going to let Lane get in here and give an introduction about why she started her, her um, small group tours and uh, her company of Paris Offscript. So jump in here, Lane. Thank you, Angela. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation with you. And I have to say, you are absolutely right. Paris is a place you do think about long after you've left it. Um, and in fact, I had one of my guests tell me that recently. She just um, she couldn't quite get it out of her blood when she returned home. But um, and that was lovely. It was lovely to see. I actually saw it happen to her too, and that was lovely. But you're asking me about why I began Paris Off Script. So <laughs> the simple answer is I had to find a way to keep Paris in my life. Um, the longer answer, there's always a longer answer, right, is that um, it was a stage of life thing for me. I had raised two children. I buried two parents. I would uh, had other careers. I'm still a writer. But I found myself um, thinking that I'd been in service to other people for much of my adult life. I gave my children the gift of being a stay-at-home mom. And uh, once they were launched and I sent my parents on to their next venture in the afterlife or whatever, I, I said, okay, what is it I want to do? Who am I and what is going to excite me? Um, it took me a long time to see Paris for the first time. Uh, but when my daughter lived and studied there for three years, I first got the idea. It was a slightly different idea, um, and the timing was not right. My son was still home, um, and uh, but I, because of my trips, I had developed a reputation in my hometown where I live, Minneapolis, as something of a local expert. Um, so when my mother died, the first thing I did two months later was I booked a trip to Paris for myself. I rented an apartment 
and I was just on the edge of my comfort zone. I really, you know, in thinking about this, I don't think there had been a time in my life prior to this where I had ever traveled completely alone, which is to say where I was going somewhere and not meeting somebody or having an event at the other end. So I got there and it was a transformation for me. I spent two weeks doing a lot of crying, doing a lot of discovering, and um, really not knowing where this thing would lead. Um, and that was how it began. Six months after that trip, um, I came back and had uh, drinks with a friend. That led to a brainstorming ideation session of putting flesh on the bones of this idea. And a year after that, I did my first trip and the company was launched. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a very... That's a long story. Sorry. (laughs) No, but it really outlines what got you there because it is such a huge step, like you said, because you don't even think about these. It seems like such a a far off idea to think, oh, let me lead small group tours in Paris and actually make that come to fruition. And it is such a different experience traveling by yourself and not having, you know, anyone else to rely on or, Yes. Work around somebody else's schedule and truly just do exactly what you want to do and get up as early as you want to do and sleep in or whatever you want to do. And it's just, it's an, it's definitely a different experience doing it that way. So that's even a- more so when you're in a foreign country. Oh, and right. Exactly. English is not the native tongue. Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I never expected it to uh, take off. I was doing something else at the same time, which was becoming certified to teach uh, a, a specific form of yoga. And I really thought that that would be what my next chapter would be. And Parasoft script would be on a back burner, you know, just kind of poking along one thing after another. But this was an idea that forced itself to the forefront, wanted to be born. And it's just amazing. It's been an amazing journey so far. Right. You just couldn't ignore it any longer, could you? (laughs) No, no. Right. So I know you talked about, you know, you landed in Paris and you just kind of fell in love with the city. So I love hearing people's first experiences in Paris. And I think it's possible, you know, to have a different experience. And I just like to hear people's gut reaction. So Did you arrive and immediately know that this was a place you had to get to know inside and out? Or did you have kind of mixed feelings about it? It was what I call um, un coup de foudre, which is um, love at first sight. It was incredible. I will never forget the first time I saw Paris. And um, it was almost a shock. I didn't know what hit me. I didn't know what chord it struck inside me. I went, it took me a long time in my life to get there. I did not go during college. Um, I did not go, I was a poor graduate student. And then after that, I was married. I had a career, I had a family and life marched on. So it was a big birthday that got me there for the first time. And we went for 12 days. And so a, a pretty hefty chunk for the first visit. And I woke up each morning feeling like I was on a movie set. I couldn't believe it. I I couldn't remember when I had felt like I was firing on all cylinders, like I was 
very much alive and I've never lost it. Paris is always that for me. Right. That's such a great way to explain it. Yeah, it really is a movie set because you can just walk around endlessly. And I wonder when I'm walking around that people actually live here. I <laughs> know. This every I know. <laughs> and you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have that first time experience twice, my own and then my son, when he was mm-hmm. 13, we traveled as a family. We were going to see his sister, who was living there. And um, we took the the uh, the train in from Charles de Gaulle and then the metro to the stop that was closest to the apartment where we were renting. And, you know, you see a little bit of a very unpretty side of Paris when you're on the train before you go underground. Then you're underground. You, you know, you have no idea where you are. When we emerged from the metro, it was, you know, just imagine, <clears throat> if you can, what Paris, <clears throat> what your first imagining of Paris is before you've actually seen it. He came out of the metro and he said, oh, wow. I'll never forget that either. That right. was his reaction. So I got to see it, experience that twice. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important thing. And that's also why we are interested in doing small group tours also, because mm-hmm. you get to experience it again for the first time with other people. And I love that too, is just showing people the world as you have seen it or your favorite cities and your favorite spots and just getting to see people, either strangers or your family and friends that get to experience it for the first time. And you kind of get to relive it. And I love that also. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's always fresh. Yep. And so I know there's a lot of different ways to experience the city. And I think you could go back, you know, a hundred times and have a completely different experience. But what are the things you hope each of your guests experience on your tours? And do you take them to certain spots or neighborhoods, patisseries, cafes um, that you think each group should visit? Let me break that down into the two questions and answer the first one about what I hope that my guests experience. Um, It's a matter of perspective. To me, Paris is like an onion with different layers. And it is a city that we can never quite get our arms around. It's whatever we need it to be. If we're in love, it's the most romantic city in the world. If we are looking for inspiration, oh my God, there's creativity everywhere. Um, if we need to be alone, it provides solitude without isolation. And what I try to do is, um, show my guests something beautiful, show them astounding things and invite them to try a different rhythm to break their own routine to see how they feel, to see how that makes them feel, to take from a variety of experiences what they need, which means that no two people will take the same thing. Um, You're going to take away from a place whatever it is that speaks to you. And very often that something can be very small. It can be a conversation. It can be an encounter with a person. It can be a story. You know, in some ways I'm a storyteller. the the love of stories, I think, is something that, first of all, every culture has. Every culture has its own stories, but is sort of um, 
a part of our own human psyches. We all, from, from the time that we're children, we love stories. We have bedtime stories. Um, what do we do when we get home? We tell everyone stories from our travels. Even Instagram has stories. Um, so I want to bring the lens in close for people, for them to um, have something that resonates and will continue to resonate with them. The larger, of course, altruistic thing is greater understanding um, of other people of ourselves. And I realize that's a big expectation for a little business, but, um, but that's the kind of thing that's not going to happen on a big, huge and personal tour. So that that's where I start. Um, are certain spots, certain neighborhoods. Um, I specialize in my company's name is off script and I specialize in the off script. You don't need me to take you to the big things, to the Eiffel tower, to Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and everybody at one point in their lives should see the big things. Certainly. Um, I will take you into less well-known neighborhoods, do deep dives in them, different areas, even uh, of better known neighborhoods like Montmartre. We don't go to Sacré-Cœur in Montmartre. We go to a different part of that wonderful neighborhood. Um, And um, my thinking is that I want to take you places where you may not be comfortable or know how to get there yourself, maybe you're a little intimidated or the language is a problem. That's what I'm there for. Right. That's a lot to hope for my clients, but, you know, yeah. you asked. <laughs> right. And I think when you said you'd like to take people to the uncomfortable spots, that's mm-hmm. how I like to experience travel as well, because I don't think it's supposed to be easy. And I don't think that it's always supposed to be the most iconic and the most beautiful places, I think that it should be kind of a struggle because that's when you really get to see how, how you personally can handle that situation. Mm -hmm. And you also get to see the thing that's not, you know, the most beautiful, you know, iconic place that everybody flocks to. And it's really getting to see what daily life is like in that city. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to not just take people to the big places with, thousands and thousands of people and the picture that everybody's seen of a certain city it's to get into it and let people actually experience what it's like and what the city is actually all about yes i mean paris paris is no no more notre dame the eiffel tower and the louvre than new york is the Mm -hmm. empire state building statue of liberty and the metropolitan museum right those things belong to the whole world Mm-hmm. Um, they are part of uh, the incredible things that as a human race, we have left behind and, and continue over the eons to have everybody enjoy. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily Paris. Right. So for example, everybody stands online to get into Notre Dame. There's no line to get into Saint-Sulpice. Saint-Sulpice is almost exactly the same size as Notre Dame and has some incredible Delacroix murals 
And it also has one of the most celebrated organs in all of Europe with an extremely celebrated soon to be 75 year old organist. So there won't be many more times to hear him. His name is, his name is Daniel Roth. And, you know, this is what people miss because, Mm -hmm. because, because they don't know about it. Right. Yeah, that's true too. And I, I think you put it perfectly that those big tourist attractions belong to the world. But I think it's, it's kind of funny to me when you talk to really anyone in their hometown and you ask them, Oh, have you ever been to the empire state building and people that have lived there forever, maybe have not even been there before because you know, they're busy living their daily lives in those little neighborhoods and the little cafes that don't have anything to do with those big tourist attractions. And so those those little things kind of get skipped over when people, especially if you have a short visit to somewhere and you're just yes. trying to hit those big things that you miss out yeah. on equally amazing, incredible things. I speak from experience. I'm a New Yorker. I was born, <laughs> I was born and raised there. My whole family is there. I think in part, that's why Para speaks to me. I can tell you, I've been in the lobby of the Empire State Building. I've never Ooh. been to the top. I've exactly. never been. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. I've mm-hmm. seen it from the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, but uh, never been there. But I can show you a little pocket park on Fifty Second Street between Madison and Park Avenue. Exactly. You know, it's so. Maybe that's where I came by this <laughs> this yeah. off script idea. <laughs> Right. So I know you try to do something different on each of your tours and you do them in the off seasons, um, kind of working around the tourists. And they seem to be based on what's going on in the city during that specific season. Mm -hmm. So how do you kind of, um, what is that word I'm looking for? Curate these tours to give a special uh, taste of the city during those seasons. Um, I always arrive well in advance of um, a trip so that I'm there. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of reading. Um, uh, I can't think of the word in English. I'm thinking of it in French, the affiche, the, the, um, the publicité, the, the things that are up on kiosks. <laughs> advertisements the advertisements there you go i don't think of the word yeah i it's really funny sometimes to be between two languages i can't think of the word in english i don't know the word in french you know whatever um so there's that i also belong to organizations i belong to the library i belong to uh a couple of museums i get a billion newsletters from my mayor's office from Uh, When I say my mayor's office, I rent an apartment in the same neighborhood and have joined that community. So I see what's going on. Um, But the other thing that makes my trip special is that I have developed relationships with local people. In the original ideation session, I gathered, there were a group of, it turned out to be eight or nine uh, women from various areas of my life. And one thing that came through in terms of what would what would a fabulous trip look like to them is they wanted access. They wanted to meet real Parisians, to see them in their homes. And I thought, well, how in the world am I going to do that? Walk up to somebody on the street and say, hi, I'm your new friend. 
invite me in. Um, but you know what? It's actually happened. And uh, through an incredible coincidence of the type that always happens to me when I'm in Paris, I start every trip with a creativity session in the home of an artist who uh, I am now very good friends with in her atelier where she lives and works. And um, so people, and it's not in a fancy neighborhood. Um, so people get uh, access, they get a dose of, of authenticity or reality, and it makes it special. There's nobody else doing this with Isabel or doing this at all, maybe. Um, and I think that that makes it special. Right. Yeah, it definitely does make a difference to, you know, get those experience with experiences with locals. Um, yeah. So how did you strike up this conversation with Isabel? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a great little story. I told you I was a storyteller. This is a yeah. great little story. So one day the apartment I rent is right around, is in the, right on the border of the fourth and the third. Mm-hmm. It's right around the corner from Place des Vosges. And uh, on one side is a great tea shop. And I was headed through the, the park, through uh, the square, Place des Vosges, to the tea shop. And Isabel, I didn't know her name at the time, she, um, it's, she had her artwork out on display under one of the arcades. And you may have noticed I'm not a shy person. I hear her having a conversation with um, a young American woman. They're speaking English. And I inserted myself into the conversation because they were talking about the kind of thing that was at the top of my mind at the moment, which is inventing yourself, finding yourself, doing what's important in life, priorities, things like that. And um, Isabel and I just hit it off right away. So we, she invited me two days later. I was going to be taking a tour of my own as a, purely as educational. Mm-hmm. She invited me up to her atelier. And I said, okay. And, you know, I just thought, oh, quick meet and greet, very American mentality there. Oh, my God, this woman prepared an incredible lunch for me. We sat down. We enjoyed it. She showed me her artwork. And a friendship and a collaboration was forged then. Um, There's one thing about the French. If they invite you to their home, it is a very meaningful, significant thing. They don't do it lightly. And um, I have a a Parisian friend here in Minneapolis, and um, we did this sort of getting to know you dance for years before we were in each other's homes. So it was a great honor. And um, uh, we get together, whether or not I'm bringing people into her atelier or not, every time I'm there. Every time I'm, in fact, leaving her and saying goodbye in April was a bit emotional for me. So that's how I met her. I was walking across, going to a tea shop, started talking to people, and lo and behold, one thing led to another. Right. Sometimes those are the best. Those are the best little stories too. When you just meet someone that you feel like you're gonna just have this relationship with them forever, and it started because you were bold enough to say something one time. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I Skyped with her earlier in the summer. And um, in fact, we're going to Skype later this month 
just to keep in touch. Yeah, it's incredible. And we've met people like that too, that we've been in a grocery store and just striped up a conversation with someone and then we're just still in contact with them today. And yes. it's just, it's bizarre, but it, it's kind of amazing. And the other thing that is amazing to me about experiences like that is I don't really have those at home very often. Right. Right. And I don't know why that is. I think maybe you just get kind of into that adventure mode when you're traveling that you just feel like, oh, anyone can be a friend. So you just strike up conversations with people. I think it's cultural. Yeah. I I think um, Americans are quick to say, have a good day, but um, it, it never gets beyond that. Mm-hmm. I, um, and, you know, when you're not in a big city, often we're in our cars, we're separated from people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not having that same, there's no, there, there isn't the same opportunity for engagement. Exactly. I think everyone is in their own little world and they're just doing all the little things on their to-do list for the day. Yes. But yeah, you have a much more open day when you're traveling. You can just do whatever you want. You could spend an afternoon with somebody in their apartment. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. I, that it has to be one of my favorite parts of traveling. I just love that. It's so great. So let's talk about a little bit more about your tours of course, there's cookie cutter tours of Paris where people go see the Louvre and they go see the Eiffel Tower. And we talked about this a little bit, but why is it so important to you to show that different side of Paris? Um, I'm going to quote a woman named Miriam Beard. She's She was an American historian in the first half of the 20th century. And I actually have her quote on one of my pages on my website. And she said, travel is more than the seeing of sights. It is a change that goes on deep and permanent in the ideas of living. Wow. You know, that's what resonates with me. Um, uh I see travel as cultural engagement rather than tourism, mm-hmm. um, particularly where there are opportunities for that cultural engagement. Um, y- you know, I, I don't know. I have an insatiable curiosity. Um, and I think travel is an opportunity, again, to broaden your perspective to break stereotypes. You know, we think of the French stereotypically as rude, as lazy. I have never come across a rude or a lazy person in Paris. Um, and I, it, it's a way, particularly today, we need so much to break down those stereotypes and engage with each other one-on-one. And so it's important for me to offer people this service, this opportunity, this experience. Um, And, uh, you know, every service that is out there, it's for people to pick up or not. And um, I just think it's important to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. For example, this may be a little apples to oranges, but I went to a women's college and, um, I went to Mount Holyoke. I'm very proud of my alma mater. And I have been adamant in thinking that it should remain a women's college simply for the choice. And, um, you know, there are lots of trips for travel as tourism. Um, There are fewer as cultural engagement. So 
that's why it's important to me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, t- I tell people that when we plan trips for people is that it's, um, I don't know how I want to say this. It's not so much about kind of doing those really touristy things and you don't necessarily need to be on an agenda or have a super regimented schedule every day. I think it's more about just interacting with the people there. Yes. And anytime someone tells me, oh, I've heard the French are rude or I've heard, you know, in Quebec, whatever, whatever. And it's so important, I think, for people to do those things, even if they have especially if they have misconceptions about a place, because if you go into Paris thinking people are going to be rude, I'm sure that you'll encounter rude people. Yeah. Yes. But if you go into Paris thinking here's an entire city full of creative people, beautiful streets, little cafes, and whatever I need from this city, mm-hmm. you're going to get everything you need from the city. Mm-hmm. And that is just, it's so important for me to kind of put an emphasis on that for people that are traveling and kind of worried about, you know, Oh, I heard this this country hates Americans. And I have found that if you are polite, yes, you try to talk to certain people and learn about their culture or their history or their daily lives, that it makes all the difference in the world. And you will have a completely different experience from someone that goes into Paris thinking I've heard French people are rude. Yes. And you know, I'm always sad when people, I hear people say, oh, I didn't like Paris. And I always ask them why. My instinct, of course, I have to gag myself practically, is to say, well, you've never seen experienced Paris with me. Come mm-hmm. with me and then tell me what you think. Exactly. So it's, it's um, you know, when you're in a foreign country, you come face to face with your own culture. And it is amazing to me to see, to be an American and to view our culture from a distance. You realize how pervasive it is. And we go places expecting everybody to be like us. (laughs) And when they're not, then we say they're rude, they're lazy, they're this, they're that, the other, oh, and we didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, then stay at home. (laughs) Stay at home. Right, exactly. Um, It just, um, I revel in a different rhythm when I'm in Paris. And um, to me, it, it's, it makes me grow as a person. It just enriches, it enriches me. And I try to always bring back something that I incorporate into my own life. You know, I'm a, I'm a joke in my own family because wherever we go, I always would say, oh, I want to live here. I want to live here. You know, whether it was the western shore of Michigan on the on, on Lake Michigan, whether it was Cape Cod, whether it was wherever. Um, oh, I want to live here. My family would just laugh. But what I'm really saying is there is something different here. And I want to figure out what it is that re- resonates with me and bring it back and incorporate it into my life because my life will be the richer for it. Yeah, it definitely will. And um, yeah, going back to 
things just being different. I think when you travel and you have, and you're from America and you have the lens of that ethnocentric America does everything the right way or our culture is superior in some way. If you're traveling with that lens, then you see things as being rude or inefficient or this or that. And I have talked to people that have just a small example would be customer service in other countries. So if you're eating out in Paris and your check doesn't come, it's, it's some people interpret that as being rude or the waiter's not checking on me enough or our check took too long. And I had to ask for the check, which is perfectly normal in Paris. And Mm -hmm. so if you're viewing that situation with your American lens, I can totally understand that it comes off as being horrible customer service. But if you just lean into that and understand that that's, it's just different rather than wrong, it gives you a completely different perspective of almost every situation. Americans tend not to slow down. And a city like Paris, even though it's a big, bustling, busy city, the culture requires you to slow down. And Mm -hmm. I think that's delightful. I do too. And so mealtimes are events. It's not just simply shoveling food in so that you're not hungry an hour later. (laughs) It's a time of, um, I keep using the word engagement over and over, but it's a time for connection and, and engagement. And so they don't clear your plate when somebody else is still eating, which is wonderful. And they don't rush you out. Mm -mm. So it's just different. It's different. And I love that part too. You can just sit and chat all night. Yes. Yes. Lovely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about your favorite time of year in the city. Um, I know you do your tours in the off season. So do you love spring in Paris? And uh, just tell me a little bit about that. Okay. And if you have a favorite event that you feel really embodies Parisian life and history. Not so much an event, but to me, one of the most fascinating things about Paris is that it was not bombed during World War II. Mm -hmm. It is a city, unlike London, that is intact, and it's an old city. It's over 2,000 years old. Um, And that, you know, Mm -hmm. they have to be careful where they dig because they start scratching the surface, and lo and behold, they come across some Gallo-Roman ruins. So... Uh, rather than a certain event, I think it's just the sense of walking in the footsteps of our forebears, standing on the shoulders of our forebears, and feeling that sense of history there. There's a story on every corner. Mm-hmm. In terms of a favorite time of year, it's very easy to, like the song says, you know, April in Paris. April is definitely beautiful. If you time it right and are lucky enough, You get to see the Japanese cherry blossoms. The wisteria is achingly beautiful. Um, Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, It's always nicer when it's um, not raining and it's sunny and the city is dressed up for you, just for you. Um, But actually, it was last February that sticks in my mind. I was there for the month. And... um, When it snowed at the beginning of the month, Mm -hmm. I felt like we were all enclosed in our own snow globe. It was 
wonderful. There wasn't a tourist in sight. The day I arrived, I always try to stay up at least until, you know, sunset, which of course in February is at 4.30, so it's a little easier. (laughs) But um, I went and um, had some soup in a restaurant in a cafe on the Place des Vosges, and then I walked around the entire place under the arcades. I had it all to myself. It was, it was, well, it was so memorable. It's one of those little touch points and touchstones that I'm telling you about now. So as weird as this may seem, February was delightful. Mm-hmm. Even, though, even though I had to buy long underwear because I didn't, right. listen, I didn't listen to my French friend here who said, I said, what should I take? She said, she said long underwear. I said, oh, poo. I live in <laughs> Minneapolis for crying out loud. <laughs> Guess who was buying long underwear? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I would love to do Paris in winter and I would love to do spring. I, I've done summer and fall so far, so I'd like to experience it for uh, each time of the year. Yes. Yeah. So and, I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're talking me almost into buying a plane ticket right now. <laughs> Good, come with me. I'll show you Paris. <laughs> I might just have to do that. <laughs> so, um, what do you think are the essential pieces of a great experience in Paris? We touched on this. Um, mm-hmm. It's an open mind. Go with an open mind. Adopt the habits of the country. It's not going to kill you for a few days. You're going to come home anyway. And also, remember that you're a guest in someone's country, just like you're a guest in someone's house. The French are actually unfailingly polite. I have seen them call a panhandler on the metro, on the street, monsieur. Um. You say bonjour, uh, au revoir, uh, bonsoir. You say please and thank you. And you never begin a conversation without a very brief pleasantry. And um, I think if you remember your manners and go with an open mind and a sense of humor, you're going to have a great time. I agree. Those are the essential parts, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about you going to some tea houses and some cafes. I personally am always on the lookout for amazing bakeries in Paris, everywhere I go. And I know it's hard to choose just one there because there's so many great ones and they all specialize in different things. But do you have a favorite patisserie or a few that you have to stop into when you're there? Yes, I do. (laughs) Let me say first, I read your blog. I looked at your list. I am very well acquainted with three of them on your list. Um, But the one where I go um, is called Au Petit Versailles du Marais. It's in the fourth. It's about, oh, it's between the apartment that I rent and the mayor's office where I hang out and I take yoga classes. and it's my absolute delight to stop there for a little something. A chocolatine is my favorite mm. after after yoga. Um, <laughs> they are also 
They have been designated a meilleur ouvrier de France, which is a very prestigious designation. It's awarded every four years, and it is for life. It is um, an indication of an extremely high level of craftsmanship. It's not only for patisserie. Um, it's for hus- there are huge categories and a ton of them like hospitality, buildings, clothing, textiles, graphic arts, you name it. And so they are, they have that designation. It is beautiful inside. It's aptly named. And there's a little place to, there's some tables set up outside. There's some tables set up inside and, um, it's sort of my hangout spot. <laughs> After yoga, especially. Right. That's the, I think that's the perfect combination. <laughs> a yes. little yoga, a little yes. bit of... <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I will make a point to stop at that one next time I'm there. Okay. Um, I, I could sit at those little cafe tables all day, every day, I think. I just... That is one of my favorite things to do when I'm there. It's just to sit with some coffee and a treat. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, there's a French writer. His name is Georges... Parek, and mm-hmm. he actually made uh, made um, an occupation out of a book, out of sitting around the Place Saint-Sulpice for several days, for a weekend, sitting in different cafes, watching what happens when nothing happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's the same exact thing. They oh, love it too. Cool. Yes. <laughs> oh man i could yep that's exactly where i would be if i could be anywhere in the world right there me too yep well thank you so much for spending some time with us today it's so incredible to talk to you and just hear about your passion for paris and you know the connections that you've made there that make all of these small group tours so unique and show that specific corner of the world So please let people know where they can find you online and how they can join one of your upcoming tours, because I know you have a few coming up. I do. And thank you. Let me first say before I forget that this has been lovely. It's made me feel, you know, as I've talked, I've seen things in my mind's eye. And so I felt like I just spent an hour or so in Paris. Thank you for that. Um, You can find me at It's Always Paris Off Script, whether it's my website, Facebook page for the company or Instagram. I do have trips scheduled. Um, The next one will be November the 13th to the 17th. There's still room. There's a trip in February the 19th to the 23rd of 2019 and in April. Um, But there's still room in November. So grab your soulmate, grab your sister, your mother, your aunts, your college roommate, your whoever, and join me in Paris. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, Lane. And don't forget to check out all the extras from this podcast episode on our website. You can find that at theramblinggals.com slash podcast, where we'll have Lane's picture and all of her links to all of her social medias and website. So thank you so much for listening to our Saturday session with Lane from Paris Off Script, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Rambling Gals podcast. You can always head to our website, theramblinggals.com, for more travel resources and our archive of podcast episodes. If this podcast was right up your alley, we would love to receive a review from you. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode from us. See you on the next one.